All right, guys, it's showtime and I couldn't wait for my first guest in 2021. Happy New Year to everyone here. And yes, it's uh, family time. Obviously, it's uh, someone whom I look like as my brother. And the another one is obviously a fatherly figure to me, but he is known to everyone. So obviously, my brother, Danima and uh, Tommy. So without wasting any more time, I'll just get them on so here we go hi danny hi tom welcome to the robert show how does it feel to be here and uh i'm sure this is your first show in 2021 definitely yes happy new year everyone i i'd like to tell everyone how it feels to be on the robert show but i'm gonna do it as a discussion with danny danny i'm sure you're sharing this feeling what is there left for us to do in our career now We've been on the Robert show. It's like we might as well hang it up, right? Like I, I feel that the Ravicha is right here, like probably a, beyond the screen, but it's a real pinnacle <laughs> for, for all of us. I think it's really amazing that Ravita's um, invited us over to have a chat. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for this and can't wait to to start answering some questions and helping people out with with some of the stuff that we can talk about. Absolutely. Wow. This is, these are such sweet words from the best people in the data science world whom I know. Danny, Tom, y'all are <clears throat> the people whom I look as the biggies in data science world. So yes, uh, before I get y'all uh, introduced, I have a few folks who have already joined in. Let's just meet and greet them. So Naresh is here. Hi, Naresh. <clears throat> Hey, Renee. Happy New Year, everyone. Shruti. Alok is here. <clears throat> Alex Alexei. is here. Oh, Alexei, thanks for coming. Alexei. Donabel is here. Hey, Donabel. Thanks for joining. I saw that question. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we are going to take all these questions to shout for sure. I think I started making them maybe April last year. I, I saw some which were really funny. And then I just thought it was really cool. Awesome. Wow. So a lot of people here. So we have everyone set. <laughs> uh, I, I was, oh, many, many of them was just waiting for you to be you know up there. So uh, to start with, obviously, uh, Danny, can you introduce yourself? And then Tom can do the same. Sure thing. All right. So hello, everyone. Thank you for joining the Revit Show. My name is Danny Ma. And I'm, how do I call, how do I express myself? I'm essentially, now I focus my time on mentoring um, as many aspiring data professionals as possible through LinkedIn, on my Slack channel, um, through some of the other initiatives that I've got going on. Um, and I try, I try to share my experience across uh, almost nine years in the data industry, working from almost almost every role within the data industry. So I've been a data analyst, a campaign analyst, a reporting analyst, a data scientist, data engineer, machine learning engineer. I've done quite a few things, and I've I've covered enough experience that I really wanted to share my experience and help other people who are going through that same journey. Um, so yeah, these days I spend most of my time just focusing on how I can help other people on their data journey. 
I think that's it. Wow. That's quite some stuff that you've already done and you are doing. Uh, obviously, I would want to know more about your uh, ongoing projects that you will get into, but uh, we'll get into it just in a bit. Tom, what about you? So uh, I work for Underwriters Laboratory and a specific business within there called Prospector. And I have the honor of working with a really talented team that's built the world's largest SaaS uh, around the database for plastics, the best database in the world for plastics, and then also for paints, coatings, personal care and cosmetic products. That way, people developing products that need those plastics and chemicals can come to our SAS and find what they need. And uh, I am their artisan data scientist, very honored to be so. And then I've also started uh, integrated machine learning and AI in 2019. I lose track 2019 and uh, 2018, I believe. And um, I just have taken on a lot of young talent and I just feel so honored. They look at me as a mentor. I look at them as a friend. We, we just grow more together. That's our motto. And uh, we've become a family and we're growing rapidly now and just trying to help each other and enjoying it. Wow. Tom. And obviously, I, I have been part of your uh, integrated meetings. I know about it and uh, it happens every Saturday and uh, I guess it happens twice a week. But uh, uh, obviously, people would want to know more. And it's like a free mentoring session from Tom Ives, uh, nothing like it. So that is one of the most divine thing that you've been doing, Tom. And I've been uh, very, uh, you know, very happy about something like this is happening in data science world. And yes, so, uh, you know, just uh, going on to a question that was asked by uh, Tushar that uh, obviously I, I call Danny like the chief uh, meme data scientist. How did you come up with uh, like the memes and what was the, you know, the scenario behind it? I, I know one of your videos actually got uh, more than one million views as well. Something something like that. Something crazy like that. I, so <laughs> I I can tell you the origin of how all the memes and everything, well, for me, how they started anyway. So I remember um, like back in university, back, back in like 2010 or so when I was still going through uni, I really loved memes, like just crazy random memes that were being shared all over the internet. And I think I've just kind of always just kept up with all the like the memes are kind of like the trend of the internet, essentially. They're the things that go around and people share them and it becomes popular culture. So I thought to myself around last year, I saw, I actually saw a few data memes and I thought, oh, then that's pretty funny. Um, it can be used in, in a unique way to demonstrate some sort of view that you have about the data world. So um, I decided to start using memes to express my views about the data world. And I, so it's actually really funny because sometimes when I post my memes these days, there's, there's like, I find it funny that there's always a mixed response. There's always a lot of people who love memes and they just kind of really enjoy the humor and the, like, it's usually very sarcastic most of the time. Um, but there's always, <laughs> there's always a group that don't seem to appreciate the humor or can't see the, the funny side of things which is for me, it's oh, very, right. it's interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I totally understand because LinkedIn is supposed to be okay. 
a, a professional sort of arena. But I think as as professionals, we need to it, things don't have to be so serious all the time. Um, right. And like people people like working with other people who are fun and aren't serious all the time and can take a joke and have a good laugh and you can have a drink with. And I think I'm just trying to demonstrate that there's a way to make that happen through social media and just by being yourself. Cause I, I just really enjoy those things. And I want to let other people know about it. So yeah, no. that's, that's my story about memes. <laughs> I, I think I totally agree. Tom, what would you say? Because uh, memes and, you know, getting that fun around is required out of your professional life because uh, I was just recently talking to Andrew Jones on a live session itself and there he was mentioning about uh, mental health care because it's a much needed thing uh, today when we are so stressed about work and obviously data science is a complicated job. It's not for everyone out there. So when you have these fun things going, uh, it keeps you going and it keeps you happy. What do you think, Tom, about it? Well, um, first of all, we need to make a correction. Um, Danny's not chief meme officer. He's the meme lord. And we need to be careful with that title. But, um, you know, I, when we talk about stuff like this, I cannot not think about Susan Walsh. I live to watch her marketing videos. And I, I comment on every one of her posts because I love the way she's going about her business and I, I even love that uh, she even goes off topic with her lip sync sundays but she's a member of the community and she gives us a laugh and that's hugely valuable so i agree with everything danny was saying totally and we have uh, you know uh timothy, timothy. Uh, yes. fellow ul person <laughs> Oh, awesome. We have Scott, obviously. Uh, hey, Scott. Scott. Big brother, Scott. Kate is here. She is oh, a LinkedIn Kate. user. She is a LinkedIn world, actually. Mm. I'm actually wearing wearing my dedicated chat. <laughs> wow. So were you one of the speakers at the dedicated conference, which is uh, again coming in Feb, on Feb 9th, I guess? I was a speaker at the last conference. Um, I wow. think I asked Kate, but she didn't get back to me about the next conference, <laughs> but it's okay. I think that's most, most likely everyone's heard enough from me. So I think it's better that we get other speakers who would, would share their experience and knowledge so you can get a wider variety of people. Cause I oh, think yeah. the next conference is going to be awesome. Also. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure about it. It's happening on the 9th and uh, 11th. So I guess there are more than 25 speakers. I was looking at, uh, I just give them, give the audience a sneak peek of a conference and here it is. So they can go and register themselves on the datagated.co conference. Amazing. So it's a free conference happening on from 9th to 11th Feb. Here are the speakers. Wow. I think it's house great lineup. Great lineup. Ah, uh, Robert Shaw is also a media partner. I'm so happy to be on board and packed as well. Thanks, Kate, for organizing this. We all are dedicated. There's a question from Tushar. Mm. Who's funnier, Tiny or Scott? I, I, 
So Tushar, I will never say. I think they both bring value to data science comedy or data comedy because uh, Scott would hasten to say he's not a data scientist. I would argue I don't like the strict boundaries on the terms. To me, he's a scientist of data, but he is the main preacher of data truth, and that's why I appreciate him. And we all know that Danny cares about clarity of uh, approach, and that's why I appreciate him. Yeah, thank you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think I know what Scott meant about that. Danny can't do puppets. I'll give Scott that, or he's not doing it yet. I'm nowhere near hey, Scott's level. Not at all. Oh, and and Robert, let the audience know I can't see the comments right now, but hello to everyone that's saying hi to me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. There are many who are joining in. So there's Gaeta as well. Brother yeah. Rafe. Hi, Brother Rafe. <laughs> so uh, one question here. Okay, Danny, your shirt is nice. Uh, it's dedicated. Yes. So uh, one question here uh, to Danny and Tom, both of you. Uh, I've always wanted, like, this is a basic generic question when whom I ask to ask, like, all my guests is, how would you actually suggest someone who's entering uh, a data science field? What would be your suggestion, like, the initial suggestion that this is, uh, this is, this should be your thought process when you actually want to get into the data science field? Dive straight into transformer studies, right, Danny? That's what everyone would say, right? <laughs> I, do not do that. <laughs> don't do that. So there's, it, it really depends on where someone is coming from. So if you're already working in the data industry and you want to progress your career and um, learn more advanced techniques in machine learning and artificial intelligence and different things like that, that's one component of where you can move within the data career. For new starters and freshers, essentially, who are coming in from either university and they're trying to move into a career straight away as a graduate role, um, or for people who are in an adjacent industry or they want to do a total um, career switch and move into data, I think all of these different scenarios have their own different nuances and unique approaches to how you should think about um, the strategy on how you will move into the data industry. Um, Tom, what do you do? You agree with those different types of personas that I've Absolutely. discussed? Absolutely, Danny. And in fact, uh, we have a, a category on our blog that deals with just these sorts of issues. Um, the first one I did was uh, your personalized learning plan. It's really important to just start planning your learning path, your learning journey. And uh, understand your first plan's gonna stink, but it's gonna be good enough. It just needs to be looking a half year ahead. Get really good at basic machine learning and in the pipeline and be really, really good at everything linear and logistic regression. Once you've mastered those, and you, and you can go deep, even if you could do the, the math and the coding from scratch without any modules, if you can start there, then the world's your oyster in data science. It's because when you get into neural networks and deep learning, they're really, the, the bricks of those are logistic and, and linear regression. So if you know all that stuff well, then each new thing you learn will be much easier than if you try to dive right into learning the sexiest stuff right away. 
Like, but I there's think, a, oh, go on oh, ahead, David. No, no, you go finish, finish. Well, up. I, was, I was just going to say too, even if you never encountered difficult people or felt browbeated by people, uh, just being a data scientist is hard. We study very hard, advanced mathematical things and we have to apply them through code. So you've got to be gentle and patient with yourself. Take your time, treat it as a lifelong learning journey. If you don't like to continually learn, you're in the wrong field. So just take all of that into account, but also have a real life on the side, because if you do data science full time, well, you're going to uh, not develop any personal skills and you're going to burn yourself out. So you just got to be honest with yourself about your pace and everything. And don't worry about where you're at. Worry about, did you make some good steps this last week? Hmm. 100%. I think looking back and, and celebrating your wins and your new knowledge that you're picking up um, is very important. Um, I, I feel that for a lot of people who are trying to break into the industry, there's a lot of focus on, I must get this role within a certain time frame, and, and I find that that pressure is not always a positive thing. Like sometimes in some situations, it's very, it's a good motivational thing to actually like light you up and really get you moving towards your goal. But more often than not in, in a certain, in certain environments, like we're in now where it's difficult to find roles, there's a lot of competition. There's more and more people who are being qualified for data roles. Um, it's only going to get more challenging to actually break into the industry and this might not sound like really good news, but I think there's great opportunity in that as well, because there are so many people um, like Tom, like Ravit, like all, like Kate, and all these other great people on LinkedIn and the data community who are just out there trying to spread the message and their experience to help people learn the right sort of tools <laughs> or learn, like gain the right mindset so you can approach these problems right. um, as opposed to following the trends and doing what everyone else is doing. Um, I think it's it's very important to have a longer term mindset and really believe in yourself that you want to work in the data industry and you're you're willing to learn almost whatever it takes to actually make it and do it. I think having that longer term view instead of having this pressure of, okay, I need I need a role in three months, otherwise I have to do some other role to get to pay the bills for my family or different things like that, it's it's just too much pressure. And you don't need that, especially when you're learning something that might be new and foreign and difficult. Um, so that's definitely one thing. Um, and that's, this is not even talking about any of the technical skills or um, what language to learn or different things like that. I feel that having that approach and that that mindset essentially is very important. Um, and it when you talk to people who have that sort of mindset, you can tell almost straight away. And that thing is much more um, attractive for hiring managers than if you have all these skills that you, well, skills are really important too. But I think having that mindset will underpin all of that and b make you a really strong candidate. I want exactly. to just add something real quick. Um, Manpreet Bhutraja, uh, those that know about us, she's like a daughter to me. And then Abdul Ajib, a really good friend of mine, we wrote a post together called Being a Data Scientist. And Danny, shame on you. You just went through every piece of that blog post. No, I mean that in a fun way. But seriously, we talk in there. We, we watched a lot of 
um, post on LinkedIn with all sorts of emotions about landing a role and the way roles are uh, put out for job postings, I should say. And we thought long and hard and we came at it with a, hey, be a data scientist. No matter what role you're in, forget what title you have. Take a job. You got to eat. You got to pay rent. You got to take care of your family. But just be a data scientist no matter where you are. And then do data science. Once you've accomplished your the main duties of your role, add to that role with data science. And then what you'll find is you get better and better at doing that. You will have the recognition of being a data scientist. The company may even want to change your job title to retain you. But the spirit is, if you're worried about getting the title right away to substantiate what you think about yourself, that that's the wrong approach. That's backwards, have, do, be. That's been proven to not work. So I would, by the way, it wasn't until a little over a year ago that I had a title of data science. But when did I start learning data science? As a freshman in college, we won't say what year that was. But the point being, be a data scientist. Or be a data evangelist is probably, you know, I, I think of Susan and Scott and Kate, they wouldn't say they're data scientists, but they're data evangelists and they're always being data evangelists. I have a funny story about the data science title, which which might humor you guys. So for so this talks more about my backstory and how I moved into data um, from from my undergraduate degree. I, so I actually did um, actuarial studies, which is kind of like insurance, um, yeah. like insurance math and business math and different things like that for finance. Right. So I I have a decent math background, but in reality at at university they don't really teach you a lot because you're too often you're you're doing young people stuff and having the time of your life essentially so i i honestly did not learn a lot during university sorry my professors but when i the, the one thing that i did learn was that i did not want to work in insurance and traditional insurance modeling and different things like that so i moved directly into a data it was a data consulting firm where i became a data analyst and that was where I got my start in the data industry. So I'm very lucky and very grateful for that um, opportunity. But then when I started doing some of the work, I got bored really, really quickly. And I was always on the lookout for, okay, what's what's next? Oh, and then I did some Googling. I was on LinkedIn and did, did different things. And I, I, I think I saw that article where the Harvard Business Review said that data science Data scientist is the is the sexiest job of the 21st century, and I, of course, being being young, I, I was like, oh yeah, this is pretty cool. So then I started googling and looking at different things, and I think there was, I think it's called Data Science Central. It might still be up. It's like a blog that has lots of stuff there, but that's where I kind of first discovered more about the different things that data science could do. This is back in like 2013, 14 or so. And from there, I was kind of, okay, I'm, I convinced myself that I needed to have the title of d data scientist. So I started interviewing for roles where they were interviewing for data scientists. I didn't get any of them because I didn't have any experience as a data scientist. Yeah. So then after that, I moved to a different company where I was working within the bank and I actually got a role as a data analyst in their digital team. And this was, this was really awesome for me because I thought that, okay, 
if I get in, I can learn about their data. It's very big data. There's a ton of stuff in digital that's going on. Maybe there's an opportunity for me to do some data science work there. And that's exactly what happened. So after a few months, my my boss was asking me, oh, um, we know you've been, you love data science and you've always wanted to do this. Would you, would you, would you like a formal title? So that was how I actually got the formal title. And I remember when that happened, that was like, one of the happiest moments of my life and i say that in like in complete honesty i was at the time i was like over the moon because i didn't think that i was going to get the title because like exactly. it's a difficult title to have and it and it meant an immense amount of value to me personally and to the like to the the whole perceived value of the, the title um but now when i look back to that moment that was like i don't know five years five six five years ago now or so it didn't really mean anything. Like when I look back to it, like my title now and my title before, like the only thing that changes is how people might perceive your skills because there's some sort of expectation that a data scientist has to do X, Y, Z. But these days, like the, the roles of a data scientist is changing. There's a lot of things um, like I talked about the origins of the, the data scientist, like the actual first ever data scientists were working in like your LinkedIn, Facebook, and they were making, they're essentially doing insights to try and figure out what sort of products that they might deploy. And some of these products were using machine learning. Um, some of them were using more basic algorithms. Um, but the main thing was trying to do everything together and then running experiments off the back of it. I think this is where like a lot of people now, they think of data scientists as being that like jack of all trades, being able to do everything at a very high level, must have a PhD, must have 10 years of experience using data. And it's just simply not the case these days. Like, I think I've talked enough about this. <laughs> that was my funny story about, about the no, value. No, exactly. The Dr. Hyde degree, uh, by the way. <laughs> this is so, actually, it, uh, it sounds funny, but then in the end, when I look at your career, uh, Danny, from actuarial sciences, because I know I have been a part of the actuarial science, I know how it works and uh, all that match that you do has helped you in this uh, data science. But also, I remember one of your uh, posts where you striked off the scientist and there was like data professional mm -hmm. should be the thing or maybe, you know, something around that. I remember it and it, I, I felt so good about it because title shouldn't, uh, you know, actually be like, okay, this data scientist is someone who's about data professionals. I have a feeling, that's my feeling, that's my opinion. But what do you think, Tom, about it, that titles do matter? I, I I don't mean to be hypercritical, but when I see posts that are splitting hairs over what a machine learning engineer is, what a data scientist is, you know, or someone that's an expert in data visualization but doesn't know the predictive modeling side, this is my reaction to that. <sighs> Next post. <laughs> but it just it wears me out. Um, I have so much to learn from Kate Strachney, for example. She's a data visualization guru. Uh, Kim Harrington, she's an expert data storyteller. Scott Taylor, I think he's going to go down in history as someone noteworthy for the 
for the early time of the data age because he spent so much effort around reducing and making the data message very concise. And George Farrakhan's right on his heels. Um, you know, people like Danny and Andrew Jones and I, yeah, we care about the, the predictive modeling and, and pushing the envelope. But we can't get to where we want to go if there's not experts dealing with masses of massive amounts of dirty data like Susan Walsh. So I just see us all as a family. And when people start splitting hair over titles, I just don't want to be part of that spirit, really. No, I definitely, totally hear you on that. I agree. One question for you all. Uh, you're from Neerat Satpal. Oh, Tom is just lost somewhere. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. Uh, Danny, Tom, do you think there is some hype where people tend to think data science is sexy? A lot of youngsters try to acquire statistical skills and techniques to play with data. Don't you think without the right domain understanding, it is difficult to get the right results? Nice question, Neeraj. Mm, great question. Yeah, so, definitely. There's, I'm sure people have seen like the the Venn diagram of, um, I don't know if we can bring it up, but there's, there's a Venn diagram where there's an intersection of business statistics and I think it's mathematics, no, computing, programming, statistics, and business, I think. I think that's the, the Venn diagram. Close, Someone, close enough. Yeah, yeah good enough. enough. <laughs> and the data scientist is supposed to be the intersection of all three. That was in the past. So I feel that these days, like the hype is still there in terms of, okay, I want to be a data scientist because I get to do all this crazy predictive modeling and I get to use deep learning and I get to run experiments and I, and I also have to communicate my insights to the business and I have to deal with dirty data. So it's, it's exciting for some people. I think that's where the sexiness comes in because you're expected to do a lot of work and with a lot of current technology and more often than not, you're expected to be compensated higher for having all these skills. So I think that's where the sexiness kind of comes in. Um, but I feel that in reality, the knowing all the tools and knowing how to deal with data, but not having the experience to actually communicate what it means to the actual business that you're working with, that's the disconnect. And I think that we need to focus a lot more on that side of the value equation because you could be the best technical expert ever, but if you're not solving the right problem at the right time, does it really matter? Probably not. And I think that's what we should all focus on. And I think that's where the move away from data scientists being able to do everything um, in every single domain is because that's not really realistic. Um, I think that's moving away and the roles are becoming more specialized. So for example, you might have um, a really great practitioner with really good business skills who understands the business area that they're working in. Let's say it's healthcare, for example, where they know exactly what sort of metrics are really important for their business. And then they can kind of use that to communicate with the data people to actually get them to generate the outputs that they need to deliver something <clears throat> business. So all these things are coming together, but I feel that that was the original way that all of these things were working. So it's kind of coming full circle again. 
just a tag on what Danny was saying, which I, I totally agreed. I, I don't think it's so important that um, the data scientist in his role or her role has uh, incredible business acumen for the business they're in. I think they need really good personal skills to go make friends within the business and find where people are hurting, where they have pain points and look for intersections between their pain path and how your data skills can help them. And try to deliver really small <clears throat> things that you wouldn't think are sexy or helpful, but just say, hey, I'm going this direction and here's a, an initial delivery. What do you think of it? Get frequent feedback from those business partners because let me, let me explain what I'm getting at. You may think you have great business acumen in your business, but the other business people who are actually doing the business part of the job may not care what your business acumen is. They care what you can do to help them. So show them that you care to help them. And then once they've seen you helping them in small releases, working towards something better and better, they're going to care for your opinion then. But just start helping them. It's a, it's almost like building trust. So when yes. when you start working with a new, like let's say you joined a new team, for example, um, in order to for the for the team members to trust your judgment and to value your inputs, you can't expect them to just trust you from day one. Like it's a little bit naive. Right. Like you could be the best, but you have to demonstrate your abilities and your capabilities and your trustworthiness before you can handle more responsibility. And I think if we, if we think of that for our careers in the data world, it makes a lot of sense. So the people that we deal with are, yes, we work with technical people within the data teams, but we also work with business stakeholders who don't understand much about the data and they, they lean on you to actually tell them what to do. And the best way to build trust um, and like building the value between those sorts of relationships is to really, really focus on not only just your business skills, but you have to focus on your people skills to understand what 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 other people are trying to solve, what problems keep them up at night, um, what are the issues that they're facing in the workplace, and the like. I would say the only way to do this is to actually communicate with people, and that's like through email, through chat, through talking in person through going on coffees and trying to find out more about them as a person. Um, all of these things are really important. And I think we just, we don't teach those things. Like they're things that um, we're expected to pick up on the job. Like I know for me, I was definitely, that was where I learned most of these sorts of skills. Um, but there's nothing in a curriculum that actually teaches anything like this, um, which is pretty interesting because it would be really difficult to actually teach as part of a curriculum too, because it's so freeform, it's very hard to role play a lot of these things because it's it's essentially life skills we're talking about here. I think we need to have a real focus on that because we're, we're data people, but we're, we're all people. So the best way to connect with other people is to be a real person. So I think if we can foster that sort of approach a bit more, we can have a very healthy community who like we all help each other move towards in the right direction. Real quick, um, other people that um, preach the way Danny and I are preaching right now about this kind of stuff, of course, 
the godfather of all of it is John Thompson. Um, by the way, the, it's one of the few books that I say every data scientist should own, or really every data evangelist. So John Thompson's book, Building Analytics Teams, but also, and I'm going to butcher his last name, Gilbert Ige Kellenboom. He wrote uh, People Skills for Analytical Thinkers. And then, of course, uh, just mind-boggling how much material Andrew Jones with Data Science Infinity has put together. He's, he's made it so that he's training people not just how to do the data science work, but a lot more like how to be productive in their jobs. So it's not just Danny and I that you can learn from in these particular areas. There's so many more. Definitely. And yes, he, uh, rightly, you were talking about building analytics, and this is where they can find the book, John Thompson's book. And one of the best books, John Thompson was actually on my show as well. Tom, you must have seen him. Uh, one of the best books I have read. You don't need to be a technical expert for this, but uh, if you are interested in analytics, this is your book. Just go and <clears throat> go and read it. It's amazing. By the way, the reason I can speak so expertly on all this stuff is because I sucked at it big time, many points in my past. And I had to look back and feel very embarrassed that, well, I thought you were pretty good with soft skills, Tom. Looks like you didn't apply them very well there. And uh, oh, it, just, it was embarrassing when I was able to look back and say, okay, I got to do things better this way next time. Yes. I have exactly the same experience, like the... Sorry to cut you off, Ravit. But no worries. Like I think yeah. growing up, I always believed that I was a great communicator and I actually understood what people were, were like I actually understood people. But I think that changed over time when I was, when I started work because either the workplace politics comes into it and I just couldn't read what, what people actually wanted or people would like look at the left hand while they slapped you with the right hand or different things like that. <laughs> Maybe not so violent, but the i think over time i like my level of naivete just kind of either increased as i kept believing that i that i that i could actually understand people all up until the point where um it turned out that i couldn't understand people and then i actively had to work on it and that kind of brings me to what i'm doing now where i'm just like my the thing that I really love doing these days is just having a real chat with people and finding out like, okay, where, where are you in your data career? What sort of issues are you working on? How can I help you? And I think having that focus is what has really helped me improve in my career, not only as a data scientist, but as like, as a potential leader of other people in my own company and other companies, I think it's really important because we, we always deal with people and the more you can upskill in your people skills, the more effective you can be as a data scientist or a data analyst or any sort of role, really. It doesn't have to be in the data industry. Yes, completely agree, Danny. And those are the golden advices. And actually, <laughs> it made me laugh when you spoke about the office politics, obviously, because uh, that is something very difficult to understand if it's happening around uh, and if you are just not into it, then you don't know anything what's happening because obviously you, 
data scientists are more focused towards work. They have some things more important they are into, and it's like a complicated job. It's not that easy. That okay, it's you know you're just working in the background, and you you know everything what's happening in the office as well. You don't have the time to, or you don't have the bandwidth to actually get into all of those things. But yes, golden words, golden advice. Uh, one one quick question from Whipple or oh, Tom. I don't know why why we can't see oh, you. But Vipul and I are friends, so Vipul's message is just too long, so he's just blocked off Tom. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Data science internships are <laughs> are having an expectation yeah. of someone who is an experienced person. Also, the ratio of the number of applications to available positions is very high. What are your suggestions for someone who wants to start in the data field, uh, getting some yeah. experience by internship? So I'll answer this, and I want I think, Danny to follow yes, up on me. I, I think this um, is I think this is one big problem which we've been hearing since along, and there have been many people who've been you know asking about this thing that how can I be experienced if I want to get into an internship? Where's the what's the start? So, so over to you. Um, yeah, and hi, Vupul. Uh, thank you for asking the question, and uh, I'm excited to hear Danny's response to this too. So again, let's go back to the be, do, have. Don't worry about your first role being in data science. Uh, for example, I was really proud of Manpreet Bhutraja. She took her first role as a data engineer and I got, I got both excited for her and jealous of her because I knew she was gonna get really good at data engineering, which is a huge uh, beneficial skill to all data scientists. But go through practice sets and get really good at doing next level visualizations and clear code and put them on GitHub or GitLab where people can find them. Write LinkedIn posts about your repository when you put a new repo on your GitHub or GitLab pages. Um, then when you run out of those practice sets and you've shown how good you are with those or you get tired of them, go enter a Kaggle competition and don't worry about if you didn't place real high. Go on ahead and say, I did really bad in this competition and I figured out why and this is what I did. This is what I'll do different next time. There's nothing wrong with being real and authentic, but what you want to do, uh, I, I need to borrow the wisdom of a young man. I won't mention his name, but his initials are Lewis Owen. And the guy is the perfect representation of Ta. He has his own web page. He frequently writes blog posts. The guy's all over the place. You can find him. And he said this, he said, it's not necessarily the best data scientists that get the opportunities. It's the most visible ones. But I would even add, if you're working hard to be most visible, what you're doing is you're giving to the community. You're being real and authentic about your triumphs and your struggles, and you're sharing that to help people. Well, that level of continual giving and communicating just makes you better at your data science and your data science soft skills. And if you hear people badmouth Kaggle, listen to what they're saying, but at the same time, don't stop doing things like Kaggle. And by the way, Kaggle's not the only one out there. There's other competition sites and there are seriously difficult challenges. And if you enter them, you will learn a lot just by trying to do good at them. And, um, but just keep trying to find ways to share with the community what you're doing, 
not in a showboat way, just in a way of hoping to help others. Can I add to um, that same yeah. question as well? I, yes, sure. I forgot what the That's question was. We oh, no, <laughs> it's about internships. So I'm good friends with Paul. Yes. He's, he's, he's a legend. Uh, we talk a lot on our Slack channel, um, which everyone can join sooner or later. Yes. The, but the, okay, so for internships, I think that it's like, I'm sure you guys have seen it where it's like, oh, well, our company is looking for a data science intern, must have five years of data experience and a PhD and like, must be able to code in C, Python, C++, Java, Spark, SQL, everything. So it's true that there are a lot of high expectations for a lot of these roles. And like, I half the time I think it's a joke when I see some of those um, internship positions being um, like being posted up. But I'm I'm sure that the people who are looking for those roles are, are actually quite serious. So I think that it's not anything wrong with the people who are applying for the role not having enough experience. It's that the people who are um, setting up these jobs and these postings, these listings of jobs just have something terribly wrong in their minds because for an internship, you're not expected to know, like I would say a 10th of that. Like, cause if, if, if you knew that much, you would just go straight into a role. You wouldn't need to have an internship. Um, the things I've yes. seen worse, uh, this one might be controversial cause I know some people are probably doing these things, but I've seen like people have, people have been showing me these internships. So I do embedded brackets where, um, you have to apply. So you do your resume and you do an interview and everything else. And then these companies will give you the internship where you have to pay them. So you pay them like a thousand dollars per project that you work on for their company. And that's your internship, but they don't pay you, you pay them, which just blows my mind. Like I, it's really crazy. Like I, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm sorry if any of you exactly. who are watching are doing those sorts of things, but I'm, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm sorry, but I would, I think so onto the advice part. So how do you actually get these data science internships? Um, I actually think data science internships might not exist soon because if you really want to be doing like the high level functioning data science roles where you're doing experimentation, machine learning, data visualization, communicating with the business, doing all those things together, it's very difficult for an intern with not much experience to actually do all of those things at a high enough level to actually warrant them coming in to a new company for three months or something and expected to deliver that sort of value. So I think a lot of the times when we think of data science internships, we might be looking more at what what might traditionally be data analytics skills. So you might, like you're in for three months, you might learn a little bit of SQL, you might learn some GitHub, you might learn some business skills in talking about some of the data, but your expectations should not be so high to think, okay, after three months, I'm gonna be an expert in, in PyTorch or Keras or TensorFlow or anything which is on the sexy end. Um, yeah, because I feel that if we have these sorts of expectations from both sides, so the business should expect that of the interns who are coming in and the intern should expect that sort of learning coming out of a three or six month internship, then I think the, like, the incentives will be more aligned and then you can actually find 
roles which people are looking for where you can actually contribute what they what what they want as well so on back on tom's point i think that definitely having a portfolio of sorts especially um these days now that like because of the pandemic we're all online we're we're much more connected than we were before like i think before 2020 i didn't know like i would say i didn't know any of these guys in the data community because i i wasn't part of the data community so if if i've if i've been able to come out here and make a lot of friends and make a lot of like i would say lifelong friends here just by interacting with people's posts posting my own stuff um sharing some right. of the things i've been doing um i really think anyone like anyone can do it um you just need to put yourself out there and for example i remember when i was first getting into linkedin and i would I was following Eric Weber and um, David Langer a lot, and I would just comment all over their posts all the time. And then we would just get to know each other just simply by commenting. And I think I've seen some stuff before. Um, I think Thomas, Thomas Dinsmore might be the person who I read it from. But essentially, the question was, do you need a resume in this day and age? Probably not. You should just check someone's LinkedIn engagement because that's a very good um, demonstration of how you would actually communicate with people professionally. And I think if you add on top of that, if you have your own blog or if you have, say, GitHub pages or different things where you're showcasing some of the technical skills that you have, um, I think that's a, almost a fail-proof strategy where that will easily help you stand out from everyone else who doesn't have a blog who isn't on LinkedIn, who isn't part of a data community, who isn't contributing or sharing things which they think are valuable to other people. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of value there. And I think that's what, if if I'm looking for an intern, that's the sort of people that I would want to work with. And I'm sure I'm not alone on that as well. I'm sure a lot of people want those sorts of people out there. I really like the way Danny circled around to what I had said, because as he started talking, I was like, I forgot to mention some things. Uh, but to circle back to the pools question, what we're saying is there's many ways to get experience, build a portfolio. If you really want to be a data scientist, start building up that portfolio, then you can demonstrate the experience. Um, but then again, too, don't think you have to start out with a data science job title. Just get into data somewhere. 100%. I, I actually recommend for all my people who, who are on their data journey to actually be very good at data analytics before even thinking about doing predictive modeling, machine learning, deep learning, um, image recognition, or anything like that. Because um, almost all the roles which are out there in the data industry um, I would say maybe five to 10%, I'm being quite generous here, would be those sorts of research heavy, TensorFlow, Keras deep learning sort of roles. Um, and almost like 90% 90, 90 of them would be doing analytics, doing visualization, data storytelling, insights, um, maybe applying some statistics, time series, doing some probabilistic studies and different things like that, which are not the deep learning and the sexy machine learning, but they're the things which are really valuable and useful for the business. So does it matter if it's not data science when it's actually valuable and will help you move forward in your career? I don't think so. Well said, love it. 
makes sense i have learned so much just here <laughs> and uh we i have a question from Miriam, so hi, what do you think about business people may know about data science in order to work in a smoother way? I know data professionals need to understand business. So how is data different from business? Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll try first, Danny, and please back me up because I'll probably forget to say something important here. Uh, this is where I, I really think it's important to listen to people like Scott Taylor. And oh, and I wanted to say one other point that I think will help us roll into this, this point. If you, if you think of the data pipeline and you always start with data visualization, you might find that, hey, we just needed good data visualization here. What's the next problem? And I think that's why it's so important to think about the whole pipeline and get frequent feedback from your business partners. Uh, but to this other question, I'm going to give a shout out to Greg Coquillo. He's a business type at Amazon, but he's learning data science and he's really showing us up with how good a student he is of it. And why? Because he really wants to appreciate how to be data driven in his business better. But here's a guy that's so serious about being data driven in business that he's data science and AI top voice of 2020. And he would say, I'm not a data scientist, but this is where it's hard for me, but he's data driven. He's a data evangelist. And so um, <clears throat> to this, uh, I'm sorry, is it Miriam? Is that who asked the question? Yes. yes. Excellent. Great question. Um, when we were talking earlier about making friends with your business partners, finding out their pain points, finding out how, how data can meet their needs. If you do a good job at that, you're pushing that data age. And as Scott would say, the truth of data age forward. Uh, you're doing your part to really help us move into the data age by being that way. I'll add to the, I definitely agree with what Tom is saying, being able to build the bridge of understanding between the business and the data science and doesn't have to be data science, it could just be data teams and technical teams in general, is super important, not just for being able to move the agenda in terms of making your company more data driven, but I think it's it's moving more towards the future together because the future is going to be data driven. So in a way, it's I guess you are moving in the same direction with the data. But it's I also think that as as you work closer together and really understand the business coming from a technical data scientist um, as, a, as a practitioner, I found that every single time that I actually spent the time to work with the business stakeholders and understand how they wanted to consume information, that was really important and really, really valuable. So some of the things I've learned over time is that as data scientists, we love really complex charts. Like I would throw as many elements into a chart and it, it would all make sense to me. But when you, when you show that to someone who doesn't understand charts like you do, it's not going to end up well. So there's, there has to be a level of understanding where there, I was told, this was a piece of advice I was 
I was given for my presentations uh, when, when it comes to presenting data visualizations. So you always have to make your visualizations almost, we call it like, it must fit the lowest common denominator, where essentially you find like the person who's the worst at understanding data. And if that person cannot understand your chart, it's too complex and you need to keep your charts that simple. So that was something that was drilled into me very, very often. So every single time I did a mistake that would be drilled in even further. Um, but I think having that sort of view um, in terms of making sure that the business understands what, what you're trying to do, what sort of insights you have, how it can help them change the business and actually answering the question of, so what, why does this matter to me? Um, I think the best way to bridge that gap is to have technical data people who really understand what the business is after. Um, I think in the other way, if you have business people who understand the power of data uh, to help them answer those questions, if you have two types of those different people coming in from um, different um, perspectives and working together, I think that's where you have like best in class data assets and data products and data driven businesses. I think that's where we should move towards. Like that's, that's what we should be doing. One thing to add to Danny's excellent points. When we work hard to build up a visualization, it makes sense to us because we worked hard to build it up, but then you present it all at once to someone who didn't build it up and you're working with their valuable time. <laughs> So I like the way John put it. He would have his new data scientist present to the team. And inevitably, that first, the first time that person would develop a presentation, John Thompson would say, who is that presentation for? Oh, me to show off how smart I am. So really we need to show how our solution is meeting the needs, not how smart it is. They already think you're smart, you're on our team just go present how you are going to solve their need. And when you boil it down to that level of crisp communication, they appreciate it more because they're thinking, I, I can't, I don't need all the details. I need to know what you're delivering to me. But if you're doing that frequent feedback in the process until you get to that big release point, you, you will not have lost them at that point. They'll be anticipating, oh, this is that thing we've been working towards. What you said, Tom, was really, it sparked something inside my head. It, let's see if I can remember it. Okay. So when we think of like, we think of like people are really smart. So, you know, like imagine visualize like the smartest person that you've ever met in your life. And did you ever find that that person needed to show that they were smart? Probably not. Right. Because they, no. they were just smart. So in the same way, when we're working with um, like with business stakeholders who aren't as smart with the data as we are, for example, like, do we need to tell them that we're smarter than them? No, because that's that the profession of what we're doing is not their profession. The way that we can demonstrate that we are smart is to actually think as they do and understand the problem as they do, and then tailor our communication so then they can actually understand what we're trying to tell them in the right way. I think that that is much smarter than you telling everyone how smart you are. Um, yeah, so 
that was that what you said before just sparked my mind because I think that's if, really important. If we can demonstrate how much we care about the business and that we, what we brought, we feel from all the communications that we've had a lot of that what we're bringing will help and we're open to where more help is still needed. We're going to be seen as heroes in our organizations or at least people that are passionate and care at the very least. Right. Tom, uh, actually, there's a question for you, um, which uh, I guess we were talking recently and it's from Tushar. Tom, I see a lot of posts around Transformers from you recently. <laughs> Can you please talk about it a bit? <laughs> What's the story behind Transformers post? So what's exciting is um, yeah, people would have seen that I was doing reinforced learning because it's closely related to my engineering background and I saw an opportunity to do it on the side because of upcoming needs in my professional role. And I was having a blast. I was like a kid in a sandbox and I, I had the greatest tools at my hands and was making this fun progress. But then I was looking more deeply over the holidays at my needs in my professional role. And I was being blown away by the power of transformers. And I thought, oh, I really want to keep going on reinforced learning. But for the sake of my professional role, I'm going to dive in and learn Transformers. So all those uh, growth path posts I've been doing, that's just me exploring openly with the community. How do we grow better? How do we learn better? So I thought, oh, this is great. I need to learn Transformers. Uh, I need to get into this. And then I was able to just take all this brilliance around me that I've been trying to collect into a growth model and apply it to Transformers. So, this has been just mind-blowingly exciting to Shar and Robin. Uh, I ended up uh, being friends with Dennis Rothman. He reached out inside one of my posts and made us ah. a, a brother post to it. And now we have a community, a team of learners, learning transformers together and sharing uh, publications and posts and articles with one another. But I'm, I'm trying to grow in, obviously you know i have some serious learning skills but i don't like to think of myself as a master okay i'm here with my learning skills how can i get here and then here and then here so i'm really trying to pull out the stops to learn transformers as best i can and why there's not even a book out on transformers yet they're so new they're so hot they're solving so many problems i said yet i am trying to bait everyone there's not a book out yet and I won't be the author of said book if it comes out, but boy, wouldn't it be nice if a book would come out anyway. So, but this learning team's trying to help one another. And by the way, even though I've taught Manpreet Udraja a lot, now she's my teacher because she studied more papers than anyone I know with the exception of Marcine, and I'm gonna butcher his name, but Marcine, everyone should follow him. If you find one of my transformer posts, you'll find his name, you should follow him. And then Dennis Rothman, Everyone that wants to learn Transformers needs needs to follow Dennis Rothman. He is a giant among us. Probably uh, it's it's rare. To, he's he's probably on par with Giuseppe Bonacorso. You know, I mean, I probably said Giuseppe's name wrong, but um, it it's uh, you need to be following Dennis, not me. <laughs> follow Dennis. If you want to learn Transformers? That's a surprise for you, Tom. The book is live. I, I knew about it. And yes, 
Denise's book is live awesome. on Amazon. It's in the pre-order stage. So this is the so, book you were yeah. talking that it's not in the market. I, I didn't know if I could say anything and Dennis doesn't even know that I knew. <laughs> so I had to be very tight lipped about it, but I'm really glad that we can announce Dennis's book that's coming out. And uh, I, I've read some of Dennis posts. He's a really excellent communicator. He's got, he's been doing this stuff for 40 plus years uh, that's related to this kind of stuff. And I love the way he talks about transformers. Yes. Great one. Thank, I guess. Thank you, Tushar, for that question. Okay. Uh, another one, actually. Uh, okay. First of all, I just let the audience know that uh, we are up uh, more than an hour now. And I know it's kind of very late back where Danny is in Australia. It is almost five and a half hours uh, ahead of me. So that is almost 2 a.m., somewhere around 2.30 a.m., maybe. Oh, my. Yep. Danny, uh, but I can. Uh, we just need you for some more time because I'm going to ask you about uh, what are your projects. Can you let us know about uh, your projects? What are you working on? What is your current scenario? I know you're not in any corporate anymore, so you don't have to face any politics. You're out there sitting on your own, owning your own business. So tell us something about sure. it. Mm, of course. So uh, for the people who might be new to what I've been doing on LinkedIn and on social media and within the data with Danny community. Um, essentially, halfway through last year, I started um, really wanting to help a lot of people within the data community. So I, I reached out to a lot of people and I was thinking about doing something such as building a large Slack group, um, as well as offering some mentorship for a lot of people who are struggling to get their break um, into the data industry. And soon, sooner, uh, well, soon after I started doing that, I realized that it was really, really difficult for me to talk to a thousand something people who responded to one of my original posts that was talking about mentorship. So I had to kind of brainstorm a few different ways where I can actually help a lot of people as much as I can and also um, not spend all my time doing that and not having time for my family and my and my friends and all the other things I want to do with my life in general. So in the past, I would say the past four months or so, I've been working away really, really hard on trying to deliver some sort of, I'd call it like a virtual data apprenticeship program where um, I just wanted to share all of my knowledge and all of the experiences that I've had up to date learning all these different tools and different things and different mindsets and techniques in the data world. And I wanted to bundle it into something um, in a way where I can. So one of the big things about online courses and different things is I've seen a lot of programs where people charge a lot of money, like a lot, a lot of money. And the people who really need to learn these skills don't have the money to pay for it. So one of my major things, one of the major barriers that right. I had when I was building all of these things was um, how do I how do I give the right information to all the people who need it around the world and not charge an arm and a leg for it? So right. this brings me to, yeah, this is the, it's quite intimidating for me, but I today is I'm launching my Data with Danny school essentially. And I've, I've shared Ravit the website, which is wow. up, I think, and it's been a few months in the making and 
I'd like to thank everyone who's worked with me um, throughout this one to, to bring it into fruition. Um, yes. Tom and Ravit has been a big part of it, as well as I'm not going to try and name everyone because I'm, I'm going to forget everyone's names. But um, yeah, I think thank you everyone who's been a part of this journey. And I think we'll, we'll see some stuff right now. Yes, Take just a second and I'll, I, I need to actually look and yes, this is the first time I'm, uh, uh, anyone might be looking at the revamp website of data with Danny and here it is. Danny, can I play this video and see how it yes. looks like? <laughs> Let's try it. Okay. Let's do it. So you might've seen some of these attractive headlines on LinkedIn or social media. Starter is the new oil. Data scientist is the sexiest job of the 21st century. Yeah. Data, data, data. Data. Back in 2011, the McKinsey Global Institute published a report on the total shortage of data talent required to take full advantage of the new digital big data world. This report estimated a shortfall of 140,000 to 190,000 deep analytical talent positions and 1.5 wow. million more data savvy managers. And this was only in the US alone. Can you imagine the size of the overall global demand? Since 2011, a few things have happened in regards to the teaching of these in-demand skills. One, universities have released new degrees focused on data science, machine learning, and AI, charging people a bucket load of money for the privilege. Two, Data science intensive boot camps have also entered the education marketplace, charging people a relatively smaller bucket load of money, promising to teach them all the technical skills they'll ever need in just six weeks, even if you don't have a coding background. And three, the launch of digital platforms like Udemy have enabled people to market their own online courses. However, these online courses are often hit and missed as there are low barriers to entry and no peer-reviewed universal curriculum for data science learning. These courses could cost you from a few dollars all the way to a few thousand dollars for a premium offering, complete with the guarantee of a new six-figure job within 12 months, which is not really <clears throat> that feasible when you think about it. So the billion dollar question is, if there is so much educational content out there, why does it still seem impossible to break into a data role? Hmm. That's the end wow. of it. Wow, this is amazing. I, I feel I'm uh, signing up for this, <laughs> but um, <laughs> Danny, how, how can I actually sign up? And is it still in the making or what's the story? Is I, is it, has it launched? Uh, these are the courses, these are the technical focus areas. Mm, so the website kind of goes through a bit about my background and my journey and what makes me well, what, why I think I'm qualified or have the experience to kind of share more of my experience with everyone else. Um, and then it kind of goes through yes. some of the different um, topics that I wanted to cover through this school. Um, at this stage, I have actually opened a waiting list for the first course, which is called Serious SQL. Um, so if you click on wow. any of the start now buttons, or if you click on the on the Serious SQL course tab, you'll be able to see a lot more. 
Um, and currently what I've got on at the moment, so I'm still working away trying to make sure that it's the number one SQL learning experience for everyone in the data community. Um, at the moment, I've set my price to 29 US dollars. But if you join the waiting wow. list, I'm going to give you guys a $10 early adopter discount. And this remains in place um, no matter when you want to take it, as long as you're on the waiting list. So Ravit is signing up straight away, um, which will oh, be yes, awesome. I'll, I'll be able to see all the people who sign up. So for the people who are already part of the Data with Danny community, um, please still fill out the form and I can see what's going on. Um, and I'll be able to follow you up with that coupon code also. Um, but yeah, the SQL, the SQL course will cover a ton of different things. And the focus is mainly going to be on learning different techniques through case studies. So I've got a few uh, very unique data sets in there. Um, some actually come from some of the people who I've helped directly um, through the Data with Danny community on our Slack channel. And they've um, very wow. gratefully provided me with some data, which I've put into a very uh, simple Docker-based environment for everyone to use. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really hope that people can check out this website. Um, I actually did everything myself, so I didn't hire like an, an extra web developer or anything. So I'm, I'm quite proud of what I've done so far. And Ravid oh, just yes. the, the Data with Danny um, sign up as well. So if you scroll, I think about 75% of the way, you'll, you'll get a pop-up asking if you want to join the Data with Danny community. Um, but yeah, there's, I feel for anyone who's interested, please check out, please check out the page. It'll be in www.datawithdanny.com. Nice and simple. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'll, I will share please. the link directly in the, um, comments as well. So here we go. But yeah, I hope everyone can take a look. Um, I guess now that I've now that I've shown everything, now I really, really, really have to deliver on this, and I'm really, really passionate about helping everyone and trying to do as much as I can. Um, but there's, I've tried to put in as much content and learning material as possible um, because my belief is that everyone should have access to learning materials and not have to pay an arm and a leg for it. So I'm trying to keep my, my prices as low as possible. And if you look at some of the different content on there, you'll see that there's much, much more. This is going to be much, much more than just a SQL course. Um, I'm really here to, to kind of carve out a whole new domain that I want to specialize in, because I want to do this full time and really dedicate my entire career to helping more people make their break in data. So thank you. Oh, yes. Danny, amazing stuff. Amazing, amazing. And I really love your website. You have created yourself. This is something I couldn't even believe at the first time you said you told me about it, that you are creating everything from start to the end. So front end, back end, data, machine learning, SQL, what you don't know. Tell me about that. You know everything in there. <laughs> Tom, what do you think about the website? It looks so cool. Uh, well, uh, if you scroll up a little bit, you can see what I think about it. Oh, wait, maybe it's down. Uh, Where am I, Danny? I, I, I had the honor of uh, being right there. <laughs> wow. So I've been in, I've been uh, in the secret know about all this for a while and just eager to help Danny once he launches. But 
I see some of the people that are from integrated already signing up. I, I hope everyone will sign up. If, if it weren't a matter of time, I would sign up. I kind of want to, I want to sign up for Danny's and Andrew's and David Langer's and uh, Andrew Jones. I mean, but all this stuff is so good. I think one of the things that I, that I love about the data community and the, there are so many people who are delivering courses right now. And I think it's, all the price points are really great that you can actually take on multiple courses and you can learn from multiple people. So you don't have to be very religious about who you're going to learn from. You can just learn from as many people as you can. Um, so I know that a lot of other course creators and the other things, like a lot of people are really competitive. Like everyone tries to carve out their own little island or they're trying to take sales from different people. And there's a lot of focus on making money from courses, but I think for a lot of us in the community, we're here to, we need to make money to like kind of feed our families and have have a good living essentially. But the main focus is to help a lot of people and to do it sustainably, this is the right way to do it. And I think um, as, we, as we get more and more people onboarded onto these different programs, there'll be a lot of community spirit. And I, I can't wait for everyone to pick up all these new skills and demonstrate what they can do to get that new job, to, to do something better at work, to improve their standing or to get a new role. I think that's really cool. And I, I really can't wait to have that sort of impact on more and more people. By the way, another one of amazing stuff. Yeah. I just wanted to give a shout out to another one of our awesome educational buddies out there, Manjanatha. Umaraju, he's got great stuff on his YouTube channel. Yes. Everyone should be listening to him as often as they can. Oh, I've got Koo from YouTube. Yeah, we should have mentioned Koo. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> cool. Oh, thank you everyone who's signed up already. I'm very, very, very That's honored. Awesome. Signed up. Yes, yeah, Danny. This is actually uh, the yeah, this is the first time I've shown anyone like Tom. This is the first time I've shown Tom this whole website. So yeah. this is all very brand new and hot off the press. Um, and I'm just I I'm just praying wow. that everything works out well. In fact, it's been really hard on me, Robert. Because for months I've been wanting to do Fanatic Friday for Danny, but we're waiting. We were waiting for this, so I guess the cat's out of the bag. Who's going to be the object, the next victim of my Fanatic Friday post? <laughs> Finally. So Tom's been Finally. on my case for like the last two, three months. Like, oh, you should, you should launch it straight away, so then you can iterate. But I'm, I'm a bit more. I would say conservative and a bit more cautious of what I wanted to do as well. So I, I think I, I really like doing things my way if people haven't realized. So I, when I thought about all of the different strategies, I kind of looked at what everyone else was doing and decided to do something totally different. That was only that only I can do. I think that's how a lot of people should think about not just their services and what they're doing, but in terms of when they're working, no one can do your job as good as you can, and it doesn't matter what your job is. I think if you really put your heart and soul into it, 
you'll outperform anyone who's trying to do the same thing as you because they're not doing the same thing as you. And that's the same on LinkedIn and other other platforms. If you're if you're very authentic to what you're doing and your true self, no one can beat you at what you're doing. I wholeheartedly believe in that. Absolutely. Excellent. This, this is something, Danny, we, I have always known you since, uh, I think I've heard about these courses since a long time that you were doing something and we've had our chats around it and you were like, yeah, it's in the making, it's in the making, but you have taken your time. I remember uh, we spoke back in September and you were like, uh, it should be done in one month. And uh, then I spoke to you back uh, again in November and you were like, uh, I think uh, one week and I'm done. But I know how, you know, how cautious you are about your courses, about what you're giving to the folks who are actually signing up. If it's you, you're making sure that the courses should get them to that maximum level of expertise or what they're signing up for, if it's a beginner level course or if it's something like serious SQL, obviously then you are making sure that all the, you know, tickers are with them and they tick or everything possible in that uh, course. So this is, uh, and it's still in the pre-order stage. That's what I was wondering that, okay, Danny has launched his uh, courses. It's uh, like, in there but still in the pre-order state so but can't wait danny and all the very best for this thing because uh this is huge and uh, uh i think the community will love it for sure fingers crossed for you and uh, wishing you lots of luck thank you so much i i think i'd like to also make a special mention to kate strashny who really helped me out yes. when i was starting off on this whole journey of um, thinking of even thinking about doing online courses because originally I was very against the idea because I I didn't think that it was very let's say ethical to charge a lot of money and I wanted to do everything for free but then Kate kind of convinced me that oh you want to do this long term right and help people with your knowledge and experience for a much longer time so you must think about these things even if they're really uncomfortable so I feel that Thank you so much to Kate for really pushing me to go down this path. Otherwise, none of this would really have happened. So thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who supported me along the way. Like I'll, when, when all the conferences come back, we'll have to definitely meet up all in one place and we'll probably live stream the whole thing. Oh, yes. And I think that'll be really Definitely. fun, but I can't wait. Can't wait to express my gratitude to everyone. Oh, that will be fun for sure. Talking about work, actually, I also wanted to talk, uh, ask Tom about what is he up to? I know he does the mentoring sessions. He, uh, Tom, you actually, uh, you know, uh, mentor folks in their, uh, you know, the beginner's journey, how they should actually get into the data science field or if they're looking at data, what should, what should be the, you know, uh, thought process while they want to get into it. Uh, what are you up to these days? Well, um, I love my role with UL Prospector. It's a fascinating business. I'm doing pretty cool stuff for them. It's very challenging, but I'm very encouraged by the progress with it. Um, and then integrated is always fun because we've become a family. I'm a, uh, we don't even have a leadership team. We have what we call a stewardship team because we're there for the community. We're trying to serve them, encourage them help them get over all 
all the things that they have challenges with. So my partners in that now are uh, Raith Sankari, uh, Giovanna Malaga, uh, Manpreet Butraja, Tina Mary, and we just asked, oh, and I'm forgetting her last name, but I think everyone knows Dinah uh, from Tunisia. Uh, and, and we're just excited she joined us. But it, it's not like we're leaders. We're just the people that plan how we can better help our family, our community. And um, we, we call it integrated mentoring because I just wanted to insist I, I know you've come here for my mentorship, but that won't be the best I can give you. The best I can give you is a platform where we can all help one another. And that's what we strive to do. But we also yeah. we try to write some serious blog posts and we've got bigger plans coming up. Wraith and I are going to form a uh, YouTube based course and uh, it's going to the first one's going to focus on the, uh, the machine learning pipeline. And uh, wow. we're very eager to get that out. It's uh, represented by a talk that Lewis Owen, Tina, Mary, and I have given several times. We're still going to give another one of those talks in uh, January together. But that's going to turn into a blog post and, a, and a, again, a whole course. We're hoping to help a lot of organizations in Africa with that coursework, too. And around the world. And then Wraith and I are, and I are already planning a textbook. Uh, so we're excited about that too. We're just we're just starting to look into that. Wow, that sounds awesome. Is that so? Did you say that the the focus of the machine learning was to be used in other countries? Did I hear that oh, correctly? Well, it's um, so it it's not just other countries. We're trying to make it so it's usable worldwide, and uh, we've got it. I. I'm not trying to hold secrets here. I'm just trying not to speak too long. Um, the vision that we're developing for the way to do this YouTube-based class is really unique. And we're it's going to be an experiment, but we have high hopes that it'll be unique in a way that's very helpful. And, but uh, Danny, more to your question, what we're really excited about is the publisher we're working with for this uh, machine learning textbook, it's every release is going to be bilingual mm. and we're very That's excited really cool. about that yeah so for example probably always be english on one side but then it will be like in arabic and hindi and trust me we already have people <laughs> lined up to help us with translation spanish german french you name it that's really cool so we have Dennis I, here. He's he, Dennis says <laughs> fair play with your competitors, and the way you talk is about data is super cool, Danny. And for you, Tom, <laughs> as well. I, uh, I'm talk. humbled when when uh, Dennis Rothman gives me a compliment. I'm humbled. <laughs> hmm. I'm honored. <laughs> I'm honored to be friends with that man. Thank you, Dennis. I can feel his words oh, warming yeah. my heart just by reading them. <laughs> He's, oh, Denise he's a giant is among us, brother, Danny. He is amazing. Uh, I'm actually, you know, he'll also be on the show soon. I'm planning to, you know, uh, since his book is coming out, uh, Transformers for NLP, I am planning to just get him on board and, you know, have some chat around uh, Transformers because we don't know about it. And we've just, uh, this is the first book, I guess, on Transformers. So, yes, 
Denis is obviously on the list if he agrees to be on the Robert Shaw. <laughs> but uh, uh, talking of you know books, I had a question for your uh, Danny, you and Tom, you as well. What are your plans to write a book, a tech book, or a data book, or how does it? Uh, what are your plans around it? You go, Danny. I'll go after. So you. it was, I think, when it's honestly a dream of mine. I'd love to. I'd love to be in a position to have like the opportunity to actually write a book. I think that's amazing because it's a very scalable way to actually share your knowledge um, in a written format. And I've I've always enjoyed writing um, growing up. So I'd, I'd love to write a book. It would be super, super, super cool. Um, I just don't know when I'll actually find the time to write anything because <laughs> I just have so many different balls I'm juggling in the air. But I recently had an idea where I'd love to write something which is not technical, but it would be more about maybe like a Zen, Zen data or having something about like raising your confidence and doing different things with more of like a, imagine like Zen Buddhism, but I'm, I'm not Buddhist, but th something around those sorts of like I'd, I'd want to give advice in a very different way and really wow. make people think about what they're doing with their careers in data. Because I think that's a really interesting space where very few people have written many things about, I think like Gilbert and, and John Thompson have done a ton of stuff in there. Oh, Dennis, my heart is warming again. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> that's a great comment. Oh, you got you to gotta write that one down for yourself, Danny. <laughs> I think it was actually Harpreet who sparked that thought in me when I, I don't know if you guys saw his post earlier, but he made a comic oh, where yeah. it was I was starring in his comic as like a Zen Zen data monk that was giving some advice to to a mentee. And it was it was very fun because it was it was sort of like um in a lot of the Zen Buddhism and the other things, they're actually the the way that they give advice is in a very roundabout fashion. So I think in Harpreet's story, there was someone asking, oh, how long will it take me to become a data scientist if I work six hours every day? And then <laughs> the cartoon character of me would say, oh, that will take you five years. And then the guy asks again, how long will it take me if I studied 10 hours every day? And then I said, maybe 10 years. And the person just looks crazily confused. <laughs> I think Harpreet can probably tell it better, but I think it's, I think those sorts of little nuggets of advice, which is very, um, people don't expect those sorts of insights. I'd love to write a book about those sorts of things specifically for data professionals and people working with data. Cause I think that's going to be really, really important as we, like, as the world focuses more on being data driven. Oh yes. Amazing plans, yeah. Danny. We, we can't wait for your book as well, because I'm <laughs> sure after courses, you get some time in. Uh, we can't wait for your book. Now I know my plans. <laughs> uh, I want to I know about Tom's plans. Enough about me. I've talked enough today. So so do keep me on track here. I There was one other shout out I want to give. I love what we're doing with integrated mentoring, but there's a, a brother or sister group to us, and that is... Uh, uh, happy hours with Harpreet Sahoda. His happy hours are awesome. You should try to go to those on Fridays. 
and also his uh, the artist of data science. That podcast is top echelon stuff. But okay, back to me. So I actually wrote a book uh, in '97 called uh, "Design and Modeling of Hyperelectric Vehicle Power Plants." Now, some people call that a dissertation, but it was probably read by no more than 10 people. <laughs> and so it's been that long since I wrote what I would call a book. But like I said, uh, Wraith and I have become very close friends, Wraith and Kari, and we hope to write this textbook together. We're, we're seriously planning on it. But if you guys have followed our history of education and our uh, Wednesday homage post, we hope to write also a book together on the history of education and uh, of science and math and also great uh, scientists and mathematicians because we didn't get to learn that type of history and we didn't get to learn science and math from a chronological historical viewpoint and there's so much we can learn when we look at it that way so he and i are on this journey together and he when we were talking to the publisher he brought it up then and i said wraith i i was already thinking that too i'm glad you feel the same so we, we basically are hoping for, uh, that would be the first two in a series of books that we hope to do together, but not just he and I, but our, our whole integrated team as well. Nice plans, Paul. Thank you. Mm. I'd love to read that textbook. I think it's right. really, really insightful. We're, we're gonna have one that's <laughs> gonna be in English and Australian. Oh. Can I help you translate it? <laughs> yes, I, we will need your help for the Australian part. And then uh, Andrew Jones will help okay. us with the English and New Zealand. Mm. Sorry, Robert. <laughs> we, we, okay, we're, we're diverging. No ways. <laughs> uh, my one and final question for you too is, Danny, if uh, someone wants to find you what is the best place where where should they actually reach out to you mm. so unfortunately on linkedin i've hit the thirty thousand connection limit so i've if i looked at my number of connection requests now that i haven't responded to i think it's almost two thousand so i'm really sorry for the people who've tried to connect with me recently um i actually can't connect with anyone so until linkedin fixes that um you can try, you can definitely follow me and feel free to shoot me a DM into my inbox on LinkedIn. Um, but these days I find that I it gets really flooded. So I'm starting to do what Kate does where she just kind of sits down and responds to a lot of um, in-mails like you know, once once a week or so. Um, but since, since I've been doing the course launch and everything, I've kind of not responded to a lot of messages there also. So I'm really sorry to the people who I haven't gotten back to. Um, yeah, the, I would say the best way to reach me is probably to join the data with Danny community, um, jump on the Slack channel cause I'm pretty reactive on there and wow. you can shoot me a direct message. We have a few different channels where one of the channels is actually a direct, uh, ask Danny channel. So if you have any questions that you want me to answer, um, you can ping me directly in that and then I'll type a response and everyone in the community can see it as well. Um, so yeah, I think well, if you don't want that though, and you want to send me a private message, you can probably just shoot me a DM directly on the Slack. <laughs> I think that'll, that will do it as well. 
but yeah, try it. Um, I'll share the link, or we'll try and update the the description of this or something with a uh, Data with Danny community sign up link, um, and as well with the website as well. Um, but if you hit the website, you should if you scroll down a little bit, you might see the the community link also. Um, the some pop up will come up on the page, so that might work too. But yeah, amazing. Amazing, Danny. And what about you, Tom? Where should people find you? Uh, I haven't hit the connection limit yet, but I, uh, for people that prefer just to follow, I just try to follow everyone back that follows me. Um, and I'm always trying to learn to be more effective on LinkedIn, but uh, I try to answer every message. If you don't find me answering your message, please just ping me again, because sometimes my message list gets very deep. And I try to reply to every comment or react to every comment on my post. If I don't, it's just because I haven't gotten to it yet or I accidentally missed it. But I love interacting with the community. I really appreciate our community very much. Amazing, Tom. Thank yeah, you please very much. Connect, please connect with me. I would love to connect with other people. That's all I was going to add. Okay, that's great. And also, you know, uh, talking about community and uh, books, since we were talking about books, I wanted to plug uh, actually uh, what's going on in PACT, uh, that is $5 campaign for everyone. So all the books uh, at PACT, all the ebooks and videos are for $5. So people can actually go and buy any book they like to because everything's for $5 for next seven days for a week left. So go and grab some books if you wish to upskill yourself. This is what I wanted to tell. What do you think, Tom? $5 campaign is something which is the right way to give it back to the community and community and benefit out of it. Um, that's like putting drugs on sale to a drug addict for me. I'm a learning <laughs> addict. So you just uh, it's like sitting over here trying not to drool. My mind $5 is, is $5 that's is so good. Yeah, that's amazing unheard of like oh yes so there's a few books that so i'm that gonna buy <laughs> super danny and uh tom i know there are many folks who's joining there's george here who's joining and he's thinking we are still up obviously danny is the man who has kept us still more than 97 minutes now and he is somewhere in middle of the night thank you so much danny this is uh unreal that you waited back for so long and it's like obviously middle of your night so but uh use the time where uh, obviously i don't say bye to my family but uh, obviously we are getting back when you have your courses launched danny definitely then we'll talk a lot about your courses and Tom obviously I'll be catching up uh, separately with you two uh, you know on the Ravid show but I wanted to start this uh, New Year's with the family together and have this amazing uh, great show where uh, I can actually you know I could learn so much and I'm sure the audience learned a lot as well so thank you you two for actually spreading so much awareness and great insights Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to the community. And a shout out to Robert because he's the super glue of our community. Thank you. Thank you so much for having <laughs> us on today, Ravit. It's 
really, really awesome to just catch up and just kind of have a good chat with both of you. <clears throat> Amen. Uh, it is all mine. But thank you everyone for joining in and it was great to take your questions. I know there were many questions, but definitely Danny and Tom might take it offline. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to me directly. Uh, you can DM me on um, LinkedIn and do not forget to subscribe to The Ravik Show on YouTube. Okay, guys. Have a great night. At least I'm in the night zone. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. See you, everyone.